The following message is brought to you by George Lawson, Jr., pastor and Bible teacher with Baltimore Bible Church. We will be reading from the New American Standard Bible. For more information about this ministry, please visit us online at www.baltimorebiblechurch.org. So now let's open our Bibles and follow along with Pastor George as we loose the scriptures and let them speak. And we go to the Lord, the God who is faithful and the God that we can turn to. And uh, Psalm 42 is a psalm that speaks about desperation for God. Psalm 42, and I'll start at verse 1. Actually, I'll start with the, the superscription above Psalm 42. It says, For the director, the choir director, a mascal of the sons of Korah, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember and pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you in despair, my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Why don't you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we can come before you. Father, that we can cry out to you, that our souls cling to you, that you are the living God, that you are the faithful God, that you are the God who is our rock. And Father, we will praise you because you are worthy of praise. And Father, I pray that you would use me as a weak instrument to be a blessing to your people, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Last week in our message on Sunday, We are reminded about the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3 and how all of creation groans as a result of the fall. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And in verse 23, it says, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. It's been said that we enter the world with the cry, and we leave with a groan. And it's filled with mourning in between. And when we become the victims of the kinds of of tragedies as was just described, life knocks us down. And we shouldn't be afraid to groan during those times. Sometimes Christians look on grief almost as if it's unspiritual. But God created your your tear ducts for more than just getting the dust out of your eyes. We, We were created with the capacity to grieve to grieve. And your sorrow and your grief and your heartache is a right thing. It's a natural thing. It's an expected thing. 
The Bible speaks of Christian grief as a natural thing. First Corinthians, First uh, Thessalonians, chapter four and verse thirteen speaks about grief, godly grief. Jesus and even the Holy Spirit are said to grieve. The Holy Spirit grieves in Ephesians chapter four and verse thirty, and Jesus weeps in uh, Luke nineteen forty one, John eleven and verse thirty five. And there are times when it would be unspiritual not to grieve. Not only are your tears permitted, they're expected, and they're precious in the sight of God. In Psalm 56 and verse 8, David says, Thou hast taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? My tears are in your book. Ancient tear bottles or these wineskins have actually been collected excavated in a, by archaeologists in Israel to catch uh, and preserve the owner's tears during times of, of grief or extreme pressure. And according to Psalm 56, it says, Our Heavenly Father cherishes the tears of His children and records every one of them. And that's an encouragement, isn't it? That the God knows your grief? That God doesn't distance Himself from you when you grieve? That grief and sorrow and heartache are not the problem? That's not the problem. The problem that we have to be careful of is if we go into despair. Despair is the problem. And that's what we need to watch out for. Because that's the point when we've lost hope. We don't grieve as those who don't have hope. We, we have a hopeful grief. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, it's, it's not grief that's condemned, it's hopeless grief. And the same is true of Psalm 42. It's not grief in Psalm 42 that's condemned It's the despair, hopelessness. That's what the psalmist is concerned about. The word that's used for despair in Psalm 42, it's a Hebrew word, shakah. It's uh, used in verse 6, verse 7, verse 12. It means to be bowed down, to be crouched down, to be downcast. It's the same word that's used over in Psalm 44 and verse 25 where the psalmist says, Our soul has sunk down into the dust and our body cleaves to the earth. Despair is like the the pit that you can't pull yourself out of. But as this psalm says, we have a a a great example of of godly, a godly man who, who counsels his own soul in the pit, and he presses himself up through the grace of God. So what's the way out of despair? What's the way out of despair? The way out of despair is hope. Hope is the way out of despair. It's been said that you can live 40 days without food, three days without water, but you can't live a day without hope. We need hope. And where do we find that hope? Look at Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. Where, Where do we find our hope? We find our hope in God. That's where we can find hope. That's where we find relief. Verse 11. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And in Psalm 43 and verse 5, and many argue that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are connected, part of the same psalm. But why don't you look at verse 5 of Psalm 43? It says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Again, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. The antidote to despair is hope in God. And no matter how deep the pit of life is, we need to keep our eyes focused on the beam of light 
that's pointing the way out. And the, the beam of light pointing the way out is hope in God. It's hope. Just a little bit of background for the psalm. The superscription uh, that's just above Psalm 42, it lets us know that this is for the choir director, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Now, the sons of Korah were uh, descendants of Levi, and they would have been associated with the worship of God in the tabernacle and later in the temple, and many believe they produced and performed music. Uh, and this psalm here is uh, in favor of that view. The psalm was intended to be used for worship, and it's addressed to the choir director. This is to be a, a corporate longing for God. And the word mascal has been identified as a, a psalm of instruction. This is teaching us how to have a longing for God and how to have hope in God. This psalm is meant to teach us something about who our God is. It teaches us something about how to deal with our own discouragement and depression in the way out. And even though the context is unknown, it appears that this psalm was written during a, a time when access to the temple or the tabernacle was cut off. He longs to appear before God in verse 2. When shall I come and appear before God? And he can only remember when, when he used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God in verse 4. So uh, through whatever circumstances, there's, through no fault of his own, he's been ripped away from the, the practice of coming before God in the temple, from the joy that would have been his of going and appearing before God. And in two bouts of despair, this psalmist comes away victorious because of his hope in the Lord. Verses 1 through 5 end with hope in God. Verses 6 through 11 end with hope in God. And from this psalm, we learn that hope overcome, overcomes our despair. It overcomes our despair when we're comforted by God's presence and uplifted by God's perfections. Let's take a look at the first one. Now, we are comforted by God's presence in verses 1 through 5. It says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember and pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng, lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. The presence of God. The Psalms opens with uh, some very familiar words. Verse 1, as the deer pants for the water brooks. And I'm not sure if I understood uh, the meaning of those words before studying through the psalm. Uh, because when the psalm speaks about the, the deer panting for the water brooks, we shouldn't picture a, a, a deer in the lush forest, you know, who's just been on a, a nice run and now he's just looking for the stream that's nearby, you know, to go and get a cool drink of water. That's not what we should be envisioning. We should picture a deer in the desert, frantically looking around for a drop to save his life. I mean, there's nothing. The deer will look until it finds water because it knows that its life depends on it. This is desperation. In verse 8, he calls out to the God of my life. I am desperate. My life is at stake here. This is the picture of somebody panting for the water because there doesn't appear to be any water in sight. He's looking for God, and God appears to be distant. 
And look at the question in verse 2. When shall I come and appear before God? To appear before God was used in Scripture as a reference to the, the tabernacle or the temple. Three times a year, uh, the Jewish people were uh, required to come before the temple of the Lord. Exodus uh, 23 and verse 17 says, Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord God. A reference to the pilgrimages uh, that the Jewish people made uh, to Jerusalem. So when the psalmist here talks about appearing before the Lord, he's referring to coming before the temple, gathering together for worship, sacrificing before the Lord. But now at this time, for whatever reason, it seems like he's been cut off from the temple itself, from the, the presence of God, from being able to approach God himself. Now it seems like he's cut off, and he's longing for the presence of God. This was intense. To, to pant means to have a keen, consuming desire for And his driving passion was not for people, for possessions, for prosperity. His driving passion was for God. He misses being near God, to to worship, to be be in the temple, representing the the presence of God. And for whatever reason, he's been cut off from this access. And he's on a search for God. God seems so distant. He seems absent. And it's only intensified this longing for God. He grieves over God. Verse Three, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. Rather than the the cool and refreshing brooks of God's presence, he says, I've been sipping on my tears night and day. You know, he doesn't even say the tears have been my, my drink. He says, that's been my food too. Tears have been my food. I have nothing. And to make matters worse, not only does he have this extreme desire for the Lord, but he's also been taunted and ridiculed by his enemies. Look at the end of of verse 3. He says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Where is he? Reminds us of uh, the enemies of of Christ who stood around the crucifix and taunted Jesus, ridiculed him. He says, I'm the Son of God. You know, let him trust in him. Let, Let God deliver him now. Come down from the cross if you're really the Son of God. And the question on the outside began to become the question on the inside. Because it's not just a question on the outside, it's, it's now that he's, he's starting to internalize it. Because now I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be, become despaired. I'm, I'm in despair. It wasn't the mocking that hurt so bad, it's that he started to believe it. Where is God? God became like this distant memory at this point. Look at verse 4. He says, these things I remember. This is, this is the thought I, I I used to be in the presence of God. These things I remember. And I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. That's what used to happen. I used to have joy and thanksgiving and lead people in a festival before the Lord. But now it's like a distant memory. It's like the visible signs of God's favor were all gone. And maybe this year it seems like the visible signs of of God's favor for you are a distant memory. The joy of having your family all together in worship of God, maybe it seems like a distant memory at this point. The blessings of of health and protection, maybe they've, they've been removed. A loved one that used to be there, just a memory. The joy of a ministry that you once had. The visible signs of God's favor might seem like a distant memory. It seems like it's all in the past. 
You can only remember when you used to enjoy these things. And the psalmist remembers when people traveled up to Jerusalem reciting the psalms of ascent, the, the psalms going up to the, in, in worship to the temple of the Lord. He says, I, I remember when we used to be able to do that. But now that's been cut off. I've been cut off from the house of the Lord. I've been cut off from the worship with the people of God. It's like a dream that's just fading in the, in the distance. And he's pouring out his soul within him. And what's the answer for this kind of despair? Verse, verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Verse 5. Why are you in despair, O oh my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Listen to this. The, the person who falls into despair is forgetting that the presence of God is still with him. That God is still with me. And it doesn't matter how deep I fall into this pit if I remember who's in the pit alongside me. I'm in the pit, but God is with me in this pit. The wonderful truth that God is with me is what brings hope. There's light if I know that God is with me. The same God who was in the pit with Joseph, the same God who was in the den with Daniel, is the same God who's with you during your time of affliction. God is with you. The presence of God. Remember the cry of Jesus Christ on the cross when he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But that's not something that we can say of ourselves. Because in Hebrews 13 and verse 5, it says, He has said, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. Jesus Christ was forsaken so that you would never have to be. You're never alone. You're never outside the presence of God. We know that God is everywhere present in one sense, but God is not only with us, but God is also for us. He's for us in Jesus Christ. And hope overcomes despair when we're reminded of the comfort of God's presence. God is with us. Hope also overcomes despair when we're uplifted by God's attributes as well. And the psalm doesn't end here. The psalm doesn't end with the help of God's presence because it seems like the psalmist goes right back to where he was before. It's like he, he had just pulled himself out, just kind of like lifted himself up out of the pit, and then all of a sudden he stumbles right back into it again. Look at verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Like, like what happened between verses 5 and 6? In verse 5, he says, Hope in God, I shall yet again praise him for the hope of his presence. And then it's like he stumbled right back into the same pit again in verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. And isn't this typical of the way that we often respond in times of grief? It's like as soon as you remind yourself about the help of God, it's like you fall right back into the, the same pit of despair all over again. It's like this vicious cycle. You know, you come out of it, you go back into it. You know, the next wave of despair comes and you get knocked down and then you have to pick yourself back up. It's like over and over and over again, you got to keep reminding yourself about what's true. So even after this triumphant declaration of hope in God, the psalmist is hit again with a fresh wave of doubt. And this lets us know that even for those who trust in God, that our belief can oftentimes be mixed with doubt. And there's this tug of war that takes place even within our own souls. We're often like the, the father of the, the demon 
possessed child in Mark 9, 24, I, I do believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> I, I believe, but I'm, but I'm struggling to believe. Like, Lord, help me. And at this time, his belief was starting to waver as he thinks again about the joys of the promised land that he's removed from. Look again at verse 6. He says, Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. I'm remembering the promised land, Mount Hermon, the range of mountains in Israel, uh, reached 9,000 feet above sea level. Ice cap melts and provides water for the Jordan Valley. So he's remembering this. He's remembering the promised land. Mount Mizar hasn't been identified, but he, he pictures these, these mountains and the, the roaring waters that come down. And he says, as I'm thinking about what I used to enjoy, he says it's, it's like the, the water is just crashing on top of my head. Look at verse 7. It's like, it's like it's just breaking down on top of me. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. I feel like I'm just tossed and driven about by the waves. Just the crashes of the waterfalls coming down. I, I just feel so overcome with grief as I'm thinking about what I used to have. I'm overwhelmed. Deep calls to deep, and the deep was thought of as an antagonistic force in ancient literature. I, I feel like there's, there's just enemies of my soul. I, I feel like even the memory is like an enemy of my soul now. In the midst of his grief, he remembers. But there's loving kindness from God. Look at verse 8. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. He remembers the God is a God who's faithful. That, that word for loving kindness, it's the, the Hebrew word hesed. It's the loyal, faithful, covenant love of God. Lord, even though I feel like I'm just being tossed and overwhelmed, I still can remember that you are a God who's faithful. That you are a God who's promised your love to me. That you've set your affection upon me and you will not let me go. It's, it's a love that will not let you go. That's, that's the faithful love of God. I won't let you go. I'm faithful to you. The nearest synonym of this Old Testament word in the New Testament is grace. The God has been gracious to us. Undeserved kindness that he gives to us, that he will not take away. He's, he's showered upon us his grace. And he set his love on us, not because we were worthy of that love, but even while we were undeserving of that love, he set his affection upon us. And it was the same way that the Old Testament Israelite would have thought about it. Deuteronomy 7, starting at verse 7, he says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than all the peoples. For you were the fewest of all the peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the, God, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So as the, the psalmist is thinking about what happened in the past, he says, let me remind myself about what's present. What is present? That God has remained loyal to me. His loving kindness has not left me. God is still committed to me. And faithful covenant love. God is a God of loving kindness. But not only is God a God of loving kindness, 
He's also a God of faithfulness. What does he say in verse 9? I will say to my, I will say to God, my rock. God, you are a rock. What does he know about God? He says God is a rock. The word for rock was used for a cliff, a stronghold in the wilderness. It was a place of safety. When Saul was pursuing after David, he fled to the rocks of Engedi. They called it the rock of escape in 1 Samuel 23, 28, and 29. It was used as a, a stronghold where you could hide. And that's how the psalmist looks at God. He says, you are my rock. You are my stronghold. But why does it still seem so lonely? Why, why does it seem like you've forgotten me? Look at verse 9 again. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Where is your God? He's been in the same place that he's been all along. Because he's faithful. He's a rock. He has not left you. He's the God who's here. And it's this thought that lifts him up again out of the pit. It lifts him up again out of despair because now he moves from the truth that God is with him to the truth that God is for him. Look at verse 11. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. God is my helper. He's not only present, he is for me. He's not only with me, he's for me. And he is my help. My help, my help. My help comes from the Lord. The word countenance is the word for face, to lift up the head that was hanging down. The, the soul that was downcast, it's, it's like the Lord just, just picks your face back up again. You know, keep your eyes focused on me. Don't, don't let your, 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 your head hang low. Keep your eyes focused on me. Remember who I am. Remember that I am your rock. Remember that I am a God of loving kindness. I, I have not deserted you. I'm faithful to keep my promises, my covenant towards you. My love that I've set upon you, I haven't let you go. It's a love that does not let you go. And remember that I'm the God who is your help. I will help your countenance. I will lift up your face. He's not just with us. He's for us. And his perfections are not just for his glory, but his perfections are also for our good. Isn't that encouraging? That's encouraging. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things. All things. The things that we would look at as positive, the things that we would look at as negative. The God is working in all those things. And he's, he's helping us through all of those things. He's lifting up our countenance in all those things. He hasn't abandoned his love for us in all those things. He's still our rock, our place of stability in all those things. So yes, we grieve, but we don't grieve like those who don't have hope. We have hope. And we shouldn't be led into despair. We shouldn't be led into a pit that we can't get out of. Because God is the help of our countenance. Christians should not be ashamed to grieve. We grieve. But we don't have a hopeless grief. We hope in the presence of God. We're uplifted by the attributes of God. He's a God of loving kindness, of faithfulness. And we can trust him to be the same God in 2023, can't we? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Tell your soul, hope in God. 
for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the opportunities that we have to come before you and remind ourselves about who you are, remind ourselves that we have a a hope in you, a trust in you. And Father, I pray that even during times of grief and sadness, Lord, that we wouldn't be led into despair. Now, Father, that you wouldn't leave us down in the pit, but that we would lift our eyes towards you, knowing that our help comes from the Lord, knowing that you've been the same God that you've always been, that you are the rock, that you are the help of our countenance, that you are the God who has committed yourself to us in faithful covenant love. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy that follow us every day, all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we praise you and give you thanks. Amen. You have been listening to George Lawson Jr. of Baltimore Bible Church. To hear other messages or to find out about upcoming events and where we meet for weekly church services, please visit us online at www.baltimorebiblechurch.org. Baltimore Bible Church reserves all copyright protection under applicable law. Our copyright policy is available on our website and includes instructions for and limitations on duplicating all printed media, CDs, and digital files.